The Keep Birth Wild podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners and custodians of the land, sky and waters on which this project is produced, and we pay respect to Elders past and present. We extend this respect to all First Nations people on whose country we live, birth and raise children. We acknowledge the ongoing leadership, resilience and commitment of First Nations people who continue to fight for their right to safe and culturally appropriate experiences of pregnancy, birth and postpartum, and we commit to continuing to explore our own role in that journey. Lastly, we honour and celebrate the ancient birthing knowledge and practices that have existed on this country for thousands of years. May this wisdom continue to nurture life for many generations to come. Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy, and through this series, I'll be speaking to parents who chose to birth their babies at home. Join me and my guests as we hear honest and heartfelt stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. Thank you for listening into another episode of the Keep Birth Wild podcast. If you're new here, welcome. And if you're a seasoned listener, thank you for joining me for story time once again. If you're listening in regularly or you get to the end of today's episode and are grateful for the experience, I would love it if you would consider supporting me with a monthly financial contribution via Patreon. It's as little as $5 a month and every little bit adds up for me. Follow the link in the show notes or go to my website keepbirthwild.com.au to find out more about where your money goes. In this episode, I'm speaking to Martina. She's a mum of three crazy, fun-loving and uber-cheeky kids, her words, not mine. And she's a midwife, runs calm birth courses and has just completed her IBCLC certification. She offers her full-spectrum services through her business, Hey Baby, Birth and Breastfeeding Support. Martina shares the stories of her three beautiful home births and her breastfeeding journey through her baby-raising years. She brings a unique perspective through her expertise in all things birth and breastfeeding. This is just such a beautiful episode, so if you're preparing to birth yourself and you are able to, find somewhere comfy to sit or lay down, grab yourself a cuppa and relax into it. Hi Martina, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Would you like to start by sharing a little bit about yourself and your family? Uh, yeah, sure. So I, um, I'm i the mum to three um, kids now, so they keep me pretty busy. I've got Rose, who's seven years old. Um, I've got Eve, who's five, and Lenny, who's just turned 16 months. Um, and so, yeah, we're in lockdown in Melbourne and have been for quite some time. So we've been spending lots and lots and lots of time together, which, yeah, it's actually been really quite nice to have um to have everyone sort of home and yeah being able to spend that time together Mm, beautiful yeah and yeah we've got three births to get through today so taking you back in time a little bit to when your first was conceived do you um want to share a little bit about what your journey to starting a family was like and whether that was something that you planned or uh, was a happy surprise um, yeah, it was definitely a planned conception. Um, we, I, I, so I think we sort of were at the point of, you know, um, stop trying not to have a baby. And, yeah, it happened quite quickly actually. I was in um, my grad year of midwifery at the time um, and, it yeah, it timed in absolutely perfectly because I finished that grad year at I think I was something like 34 weeks pregnant at the time and, 
that was sort of the the time frame that I had envisioned on finishing work. So timing wise, it was all really um, perfect. Um, but like also quite stressful. We were we had just bought our first house and we were renovating, and so trying to juggle, you know. Um, not full-time work, I was 0.8 at the time, but work and renovating and being pregnant and all of that, it was yeah, quite a busy period in our lives. Mm, yeah, definitely. And um, But, yeah, sounds like great timing to manage to get your grad year in first. <laughs> and, um, yeah, being obviously a, a very new midwife but having a little bit of an idea about um, how the system worked and what your options were, um, how did you come to choose a home birth for your first? Um, yeah, so I was, I suppose I was really fortunate in my um, studies that I had quite a few lecturers at uni that were home birth midwives. Um, and they even had like a few home birth midwives come in and give a couple of lectures. And so uh, that really opened me up to the world of home birth. Um, and then like a really significant um, documentary I watched, I don't know whether you've seen um, The Business of Being Born. I haven't seen it actually. I should. <laughs> it, 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 it was, I don't know, it was really eye-opening and it like sort of really struck a nerve with me and um, yeah, I obviously then became a grad midwife and working in the system and I don't know, I just, it just didn't feel like the place that I wanted to give birth in. Um, I... So, yeah, when we were pregnant, I sort of had spoken to my husband that, you know, it was – I was thinking about a home birth and he was a bit hesitant um, on board but also a little bit hesitant. I suppose he was a little bit, you know, worried about, like, if things went wrong, what would we do? And we actually didn't make a final decision until I was probably into my 20 – like, 20 weeks into my pregnancy – um, because I sort of had this feeling of like this is something that I really, really want to do, but I can't go through with it unless I know that you've got my back. <laughs> and um, I think it was like maybe our second or third appointment with our midwife and, you know, we actually like went into the nitty-gritties and started to look at the statistics and, you know, outcomes and the research out there. And, and when she talked us through that, he got on board and he went, okay, like I'm comfortable with this. I, I can see that, um, you know, it, it, it's a safe option. Um, and we walked away from that appointment. I remember we were driving home in the car and he was like to me, okay, so, yeah, we're doing this, yeah? And I was like, oh, okay, yep. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing this. Like you, you've got my back. <laughs> Amazing. And, yeah, and I think like hearing, you know, I remember them saying that it's really, it's such a small um, percentage of, you know, in terms of home birth, I think they said something like along the lines of, you know, less than 1% of home births require true emergency intervention. Um, and then I remember reading Rhea Dempsey's book where, you know, she states that, only one to four percent of Australian women have a normal physiological birth. And so I compared those stats and went, I've got, you know, a 
one to four percent chance of having a normal physiological birth like in the system um and yeah that just it just didn't feel right like to to put myself at risk of intervention when I really wanted to have a physiological birth so I suppose that's what drove me down that path Mm, yeah beautiful yeah yeah, the, the statistics really do kind of say it all if you look at it that way, don't they? Yeah, definitely. Mm. So your midwife, um, was she, was that a home birth um, program through a hospital? If she was able to, if you didn't decide until 20 weeks but you're still under her care, was she going to be supporting you either in hospital or at home? No, so it was it was a private model. Okay, we, right, um, yeah. We hired private midwives for all three births, yeah. Okay, great, yeah. Yeah, lovely. And then, yeah, how was the rest of that pregnancy? Were you well throughout and was there anything um, anything big that sort of came up through your pregnancy or your care? No, I was really well. Yeah, it all went, it all went perfect. Like there was absolutely no issues at all. Mm. And how were you feeling in those final weeks um, when you were sort of approaching your due date? Heavy. um but excited and the birth actually it caught me off guard a little bit I suppose because um my first was born at 38 plus two um and I really started to have like that latent phase kick off at 37 weeks so I finished work at 34 and we went away um you know for like a little bit of a baby moon I suppose and so just had some time to like really relax after the stress of like renovating a house and um yeah I just it was it was a really nice special time like I just potted and you know had had that time to myself um and then yeah things started to sort of like kick off at about 37 weeks and um yeah how did things kind of progress through that early labor and when did you sort of realize that it was that it was really happening yeah so I had like at 37 weeks it was actually the day of my baby shower I remember like um my husband getting ready to leave our house and I went oh I'm like feeling a bit crampy here like not to alarm you but like you know things that something's happening and he was like oh okay and then you know of course everyone arrived and it all disappeared and then I remember that night it all started back up again and I said to Phil, oh, I think I'm going to need like a heat pack. Like, you know, these these period pains are like really intense. And we both sort of looked at each other and went, well, it can't happen tonight. <laughs> <laughs> We've got like all these gifts unpacked like everywhere and, you know, we hadn't even had a practice run of blowing up the birth pool or anything like that. And so we both just went, no, it can't happen tonight. Um, and then it sort of continued for like that whole week on and off, on and off, on and off, just this period pain where I suppose I was like, oh, something's happening, but like is it? Is this progressing? Is it not? I can feel that something's going on. Um, And then I had my appointment with my midwife. I think it might have been on a Friday and I said to her, oh, yeah, I've been, you know, having on and off um, period pain all week and, she said, oh, well, that sounds promising. And it was actually her um, week off, weekend off. So she was off 
um, for the Saturday and the Sunday and my secondary midwife is actually away. And so I thought, oh, I can't go into labour <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> my midwives are not available. Um, and she did say, she's like, look, I don't have many plans. So if on Sunday night, you know, things do start, like feel free to give me a call and let me know and I'll definitely um, like, you know, come. Um, and then it must have been on the Sunday. So my husband was um, on night shift and because I'd had the period pain, he was actually working his last shift before he went into annual leave. And um, I said to him, oh, is there any way that you can finish up a little bit earlier? Because I don't know, something's happening and I don't, like I don't want you to have work night shift, come home and then be absolutely exhausted if you need to support me. Um, and so then, yeah, on the Sunday I had just like, well, they were, they were contractions, um, but only like one every hour. And so that sort of went on for a good 24 hours um, where like I was starting to like really notice them. Um, and then he came home, I don't know, it might have been about 10 or 12 and then we went to bed. And then on the Monday I um, woke in the middle of the night and, yeah, they were definitely, you know, like taking my breath away and I was having to sort of, you know, work through them. And so I took myself out into the living room and just laboured um, over a beanbag for a couple of hours. Um, so he slept and then we, you know, the sun rose and I sort of, went back into our bedroom and said to him, oh, I think something's happening um, and it all fizzled out. <laughs> so it all stopped as soon as the sun came up. And um, we called Nick and just to give her a bit of a heads up that, you know, I'd obviously been in like an early sort of labour for 24 hours and she um, gave me the good old midwifery spiel of, you know, you know, this can go on for ages and like you just need to go and get some sleep and <laughs> need to rest and all that stuff. Um, and so we did. We had breakfast together and then we went back to bed. Um, and, yeah, they were coming out. Like I was still contracting probably I would have like three to four in the space of an hour. But I was starting to have to like work work through them again and I think at some stage their film may have put the TENS machine on me um, and then by midday like I was in established labour. So, um, yeah, they were coming really regularly. Hmm. How did you feel being being midwifed as a midwife kind of during that early labour and, and having, yeah, how was it? It was hard I that first birth I really struggled to switch off um like my mind you know really did go into midwifery mode at times and I think I oh I did I underestimated how far along I was um I still sort of kept questioning like oh you know this is really early and like not much is happening and um, whereas Phil from the outside was like, oh, I think like, I think, you know, things are progressing. Like um, it seems like Marty's working quite hard here. And you know, I think, um, yeah, there was a moment where he was sort of in the background. I think he jumped onto the computer at one stage. This must have been at around 
midday and I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I'm just like having a look at things on the computer. And I said to him, no, like I really need you. I need you. I need you here. <laughs> I need you next to me. And from that moment he didn't leave my side and he was he was phenomenal. Like it was a really intimate experience. Um, we laboured for most of the labour on our own. So most of the time I was in my bedroom either like draped over a beanbag or over a fitball um, sometimes standing up and like, you know, moving, rocking, swaying. I sort of was leaning over like our desk that we had in our room. Um, and then at one point, like it, it really started to intensify. And I think he called Nick just to update her and, and say, you know, like Marty's really working hard. And she kept saying, I think he touched base with her a couple of times throughout the day um, and she kept asking whether we wanted her there and I just kept saying, no, I don't because I didn't think I was far enough along and I didn't want her to arrive only to say, oh, no, nah, it's still really early and go home again. <laughs> um, mm. So that sort of that – that time that he called to say, oh, yeah, things are intensifying, she said um, to him, you know, has she eaten? And he was like, nah, she hasn't eaten anything in a while. And so Nick said, like, she really needs to because if she doesn't, she'll vomit. And she suggested to try the um, shower as well. And so Phil heated up some spaghetti <laughs> and <laughs> sat there and spoon-fed me spaghetti bolognese while I worked through those contractions. Um, and then, yeah, he he said to me, oh, do you want to hop in the shower? And I, I didn't want to. Um, and so then he suggested a bath and I was um, more keen on that. I didn't want to blow up the birth. I didn't want to fill the birth pool um, and have it, you know, filled up with hot water if, again, you know, I wasn't in good labour and then the water would cool and so he actually just filled up our bathtub, which was really small and so I got in there and I didn't last very long. I was so uncomfortable um, and I just felt really constricted and I did a sneaky check inside um, but I couldn't feel much. I don't know whether it was just like the position that I was in and like I couldn't even feel the baby's head and so then I lost, like I lost my head. I think, you know, Rhea Dempsey talks about that crisis of confidence that women go through. Um, so that was my crisis of confidence. I said to him, like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I'm done. Um, and I said to him, I need to know where we're at. Like I need to know how far along I am. And so he then called Nick and said, look, Marty's starting to lose her head a little bit. I think you really need to come. Um, and she said, yep, no worries. I'm just having my dinner. Um, as soon as I finished eating, I'll jump in the car and I will, um, I'll, yeah, you know, make my way over to you guys. So that was probably at about 6 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. Um and then he helped me out of the bath, dried me, popped my TENS machine back on and I thought, oh, I really need to go to the toilet. So I sat on the toilet and all of a sudden I started the... <laughs> and he like, was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. 
oh, I think I know what I'm doing, but like I can't be right because I'm not in established labor yet. Like I feel like I'm pushing, but you know, what's going on? Like I'm not far along enough to be pushing. And so again, I had another sneaky feel and I could just feel my bag of membranes just sitting there basically at the entrance to the vagina, like almost ready to pop. <laughs> and um and so then Phil quickly jumped on the phone again and said to Nick, you need to go now because Marty's pushing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so she was like, yep, no worries, I'm coming. And she got in the car, but she was, we were living in Cheltenham and she, um, she was like a good, I don't know, half hour drive at the time. So there's a little bit of panic that went on. Um, you know, she said to Phil, like, you really just need to try and talk Marty through breathing through those contractions, like we don't want to pushing. And um, so, yeah, he was a bit trying to really, like, comfort me and support me and um, get me to just keep breathing through but at the same time running around trying to fill the birth pool, um, yeah, making sure that that was already and good to go and then uh, – like not long after that, my waters broke everywhere, all over the bathroom floor. So again, he called Nick and was like, "Oh, are you um, are you on your way? Because Marty's waters just broke." And she was like, "Can you see anything? Is there any head?" And he was like, "No." And so she said to him, "Look, if things progress very quickly, call an ambulance. But otherwise, like I'm not too far away." So I just sort of stayed in the bathroom, leaning over our um our basin while he was in the background trying to fill this pool up um and then yeah it was not long after that she arrived and and walked in and I remember like it was just this moment of she walked into the bathroom put her hand over me you know said hey and gave me this big smile and all of a sudden like I just I actually burst into tears because I there was this moment of like okay I'm safe, like I can have this baby now. Um, and I think too, like when, when she listened in and I could hear a heartbeat because we'd obviously gone the whole labour without, you know, having the baby monitored or anything like that. Um, even though like I think instinctively I knew that the baby was fine because I could feel it moving inside quite regularly throughout the labour. But again, it was just yeah, really nice to hear that heartbeat. And so, yeah, there was these tears of relief of this baby's okay and I'm safe. And so she then walked me over. She said, it's okay, come on, let's hop in the pool and walked me over to the pool. And, yeah, it was just, it was really beautiful. Like, you know, it was the evening, so it was obviously quite dark in our living room. We had, like, our favourite music playing on in the background. And at one point... um they had a grad midwife that was working with them. So she arrived. So she sort of got the camera and was there taking photos. And then um, not long before Rose was born, I think my second midwife arrived. So I pushed for a little while. Um, it was like over an hour. And, um, yeah, that was that was pretty intense. Like I remember... I was sort of taken back by just feeling everything shifting like and stretching and I remember saying to Nick like, oh, my God, I can feel like my bones are like moving, like everything's moving and she laughed and said, yeah, well, it's 
you know, because they are. Like you've got a baby coming through. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was amazing. Like Rose, um, Rose's head was born and I remember she was sort of like sitting half in, half out and I could feel her like moving, her head moving, and then I could feel her on the inside of me kicking like she, it's as if she was you know <laughs> trying to help herself actually be born um and yeah she was born you know in in the pool in our living room and came up straight onto my chest and I, I was like crying and like I kept saying is she okay is the baby okay and and they were like yeah Marty look like she's you know she's blinking and she's got good tone like she's fine she just hadn't cried yet um and so I stayed in there for a little while um I think we attempted a breastfeed but it she didn't latch particularly well um and then like I started to feel you know those contractions come over me again with um the birth of the placenta so that's something that took me by surprise as well um I wasn't sure what I was going to do about third stage being a midwife I hadn't really you know being a midwife in the system I should say I hadn't seen a lot of physiological third stage and it was something that I wasn't particularly comfortable with I suppose for that reason um and so I had to do a lot of reading and a lot of research around what I wanted to do with third stage. And I had this fear of, you know, that I would have a bleed. And eventually, like I made the decision that, no, I was going to have a physiological third stage. But I suppose because I haven't seen a lot of women go through it, I was quite taken back by the fact that you still feel those contractions coming over your body. Um, and so... Yeah, I stayed in the pool for a while, but then we made the decision to hop out to um, birth the placenta. <clears throat> and I actually, it actually came out as I stood up. So I stood up in the pool and they had like a bucket under me and it, and it came out. And then all of a sudden I felt really faint. Um, so Nick and my secondary midwife, Mal, she, they helped me. Um, they helped me out of the pool quite quickly and we walked straight over to the bedroom and onto the bed and as soon as I laid down, like, I felt heaps better. Um, mm. And, yeah. Oh, so amazing. Such a beautiful first birth and, yeah, yeah really it lovely. Was, it was, like, <clears throat> I just, it was the thing that really has stuck with me, I suppose, is that connection and that intimacy that me and my husband had in that first birth. Like we were so connected and it was such a us and together experience. Um, and, you know, I say this, I teach calm birth and I say this to my calm birth couples, you know, I really feel that that then set us up for parenthood. Like we were so connected in that birth. And I feel like that really then translated into our, you know, the start to parenting together. Like it was quite an easy, effortless transition. Mm, yeah. And how was postpartum? Had you done anything 
kind of particular to set yourself up for postpartum or did you have much of an idea of what things were going to look like and then yeah how how was it in reality I didn't um like I was you know I suppose I was quite young and naive and didn't give a lot of reverence to how important those first 40 days are with that first birth and I also had a lot of trouble breastfeeding so um, Rose had a tongue tie that we didn't diagnose until you know two um, days post birth and so I think that probably impacted on the reason why she didn't have a great first breastfeed um, so we did get it snipped but it was just, just like the damage was sort of already done I ended up with like a massive wound from my nipple um, ended up with two bouts of mastitis in those early sort of um, weeks postpartum. I ended up with breast and nipple thrush that lasted for three months and it was just, it was actually quite a traumatic experience and I was so just devastated because, you know, I suppose being a midwife and knowing the importance of feeding and, um, and, like appreciating how challenging it can be, but I had this expectation on myself that, you know, I'm a midwife, I should know what I'm doing. And that definitely wasn't the case. Like it was a huge learning curve and, um, yeah, it was really hard. And we sort of got to, so I persisted the whole, you know, the whole way through and Rose was breastfed up until, I don't know, 18 months of age. Um, but you know, we like the sort of advice that I always give women is to go easy and be kind and gentle on yourself. It takes six weeks to establish breastfeeding and to establish, you know, a milk supply. And we'd gotten to six weeks and we still weren't there. <laughs> so, you know, feeds were still really challenging and they were still really painful. And I still had that wound on my nipple. And so, um, yeah, my husband was, you know, going back to work and I just felt beaten. Like I thought, you know, it's not meant to be this hard. Um, and anyway, I was really very fortunate that I happened to go to a, a breastfeeding support clinic out in the community and I came across a lactation consultant there that I worked with um, and she said, she was like, oh, Marty, like, what are you doing here? And, like, I, I told her about all the issues that I'd been having and she said to me, I have something that may help you. Like, are you happy for me to pop around and treat you? And so she does laser therapy and I said to her, I will do anything. Like, I just want to be able to enjoy feeding my baby. And so she popped around that night and um, treated me with her laser machine and then treated me for two more consecutive days. And then that was sort of the nipple healed very, very quickly. And that was our sort of, um, you know, I don't know, jump start forward where like things became a lot easier from then. And then we treated the thrush and, um, yeah, there was no looking back after that. Oh, that's so amazing. And how many weeks postpartum were you then? Uh, so I probably, yeah, saw her at about seven weeks postpartum. Like I have, I ran into her at that clinic. Mm, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's such a learned skill and it can really affect all the other parts of postpartum when you're having such a hard time breastfeeding or just in, you know, in any realm, whether it's sleep or breastfeeding or 
um, you know, having a, a windy upset baby or whatever. But, it, yeah, it's, you know, you're so vulnerable to kind of all of those difficulties just impacting all the rest of it as well and particularly having partners that need to go back to work and it's just not long enough, is it, the, the kind of support that you get? And, yeah, I guess, you know, I was so fortunate because Phil did have six weeks off. Um, so, you know, he was my rock. Like he basically did everything else so that I could just focus on feeding. Because, um, yeah, like he had have not been there. Like it would have been so hard. You know, we were expressing and like feeding with syringes and like trying all different sorts of things because of um, the damage that had been done. Mm, yeah. And, yeah, we might uh, move on to your next birth, but moving away from that birth, how how were you kind of feeling? Had anything shifted for you after that in terms of kind of preparing for another baby or, or even how you were approaching your work? Um, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I um it just I don't know I suppose that birth just made me realize like the amazing ability of our bodies and you know I suppose it's something that I already knew um you know working in the system the real impact that birthing in the system can have on outcomes which is why I chose not to birth in a hospital um but I don't know I suppose it it, like that it just reinforced that for me um that like yeah we just interfere so much with you know women's ability to birth um and so I suppose I got a bit disheartened like I I struggled to work in birth suite and I invested a lot more of my time into working um, on the postnatal ward and I also then started uh, working, doing home visits and I loved that. Like I really loved supporting women in the home um, once they got discharged because I felt like I could give them so much more one-on-one care so it did shift things for me a little bit. Like I, yeah, I started mm. to focus more on that postpartum. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, amazing. And yeah, coming into um, your second pregnancy, um, how were you feeling about that? And did you opt to go with the same midwives again that time? I did. Yeah. So um, the practice that Nick worked. Um, with had sort of split into two and so Mal happened they weren't like um part of the same practice so I had Nicola again um but my secondary midwife was different with a um and again yeah as soon as you know we found out we were pregnant there was no questioning this time we straight away went no we're having another home birth Mm, yeah and did you have another pretty straightforward pregnancy how were things the same or different um the second time around um yeah really straightforward pregnancy again like everything was pretty smooth sailing um I just felt I felt all the symptoms a bit more so like you know 
bit more nauseated in that first trimester and then just like that heavy feeling a lot earlier um, and just a bit of like symphysis pubis pain like right towards, um, you know, the very end as well. So, um, but otherwise really well. And how many weeks were you when things kicked off this time? I was 40. <laughs> oh, wow. Yep. Yeah, so a bit longer, which played with my head a bit. Um, I don't know, I suppose going at 38, you know, first time around, I expected that it would be similar that second time around. I don't know why. Like there's no, you know, evidence or rules around that. Um, and so, yeah, I got to... I think I got to four I got to my due date and you know I know like you know there's so, such a small percentage of babies that are actually born on that due date but getting to that milestone and not <laughs> not having met my baby yet I um yeah I lost it like I was like why is this baby not coming and again because I'd had weeks and weeks of this you know, period type pain, tightenings. It was like, oh, something's happening, but it's not. Like it just wasn't eventuating. I kept thinking, why is this baby not coming? And, um, yeah, I think, you know, and you start to feel the pressure, don't you, because people like start messaging you, is your baby come yet? And so I remember um, my girlfriend gave me this book called Positive Birth Journeys. And there was a it's, – it's just a book of, like, really, you know, um, great birth stories. But in it there's also uh, little um, write-ups from birth professionals in there. And I remember that there was a, a title um, there about post-dates and it was written by a doula. And, I, yeah, I remember reading it and she said something along the lines of, you know, if you get that due, if you hit that due date and you're starting to feel, you know, the pressure of, of that baby coming, like just switch off from the world, um, you know, get off social media, reach off your phone, like just really sink into your body and into your baby and so that's what I did like I I um switched off social media I switched my phone off and I just thought I just really need to yeah give my like energy into this baby um and it was I think two days later where where things started up so um again I kind of woke in the morning and thought ah. Oh, hang on a minute, this feels a bit different and I remember these sensations and then I said to my husband, oh, I think, you know, something's starting up and um, they were probably like coming over me every 15 to 20 minutes and I, we wanted our, um, our toddler, so we wanted Rose present at the birth and we had a few options um, as to who we were going to call to support her. Um, so we had, you know, we thought of family and then we also had asked um, one of my friends from work um, that maybe possibly she could be a support for, for Rose as well. And I think being a midwife, um, Phil 
felt quite comfortable with that, knowing that, you know, if things did progress quite quickly that we had a midwife present at the time. And so I knew she was working that day and I gave her a call just to say, oh, just a heads up that something's happening. And she was like, okay, well, how, you know, how often are they coming? And I said, oh, about 15 minutely. And she said, oh, Marty, that's pretty often for like second time round. And I was like, yeah, but it's been happening like that for a little while. Like it's just not really ramping up. And she said, okay, no worries. We'll keep you posted. Um, and so I think Phil made the decision to take our toddler out for the morning. So they went off to the park. And I sort of potted around home. I was um, sewing a quilt, like a baby quilt at the time, and I really wanted to get that done before the baby arrived. So I sat there sewing through my <laughs> contractions. Um, but, again, they were only coming like every 15 or 20 minutes. And he came home about lunchtime for Rose's, you know, sort of midday sleep. And... You know, he asked how things were going and I said to him, yeah, like these aren't going away. So, like I think something's definitely happening. And we had lunch all together and then he was like, okay, well, I'm going to um, go pop Rose down to bed, like yell out if you need anything. And I had this thought of, oh, you know, if, if labour really does kick off, like we don't have any dinner prepped, so we've got nothing to feed everyone with. I'm going to cook some spaghetti. So I started cooking the spaghetti bolognese and then when he came out of um, Rose's room, like I said to him, oh, I don't think I'm going to be able to keep doing this. Like <laughs> these are starting to get a little bit more intense. And so I went and grabbed my TENS machine and um, he helped me put that on and then I just took myself away into our bedroom. So it's sort of like my sanctuary. I, you know, dimmed all the lights and put some nice music on and, um, again, just sort of laboured away on the football and on the beanbag and on the bed. And at one point, obviously, Rose woke up, but I wasn't – I can't say that I was distracted by her. Like she – was in the background but she didn't really come into the bedroom that often and somewhere in there we called my friend again just to say look like yeah they're not going away they haven't really picked up in timing but they're more intense like would you mind just popping down and seeing what you think and so she um, got off work early <laughs> and I think she might have come at about three o'clock um, and she sat with me for a while and, you know, I suppose did a little bit of timing and like, yeah, she's because I wasn't sure. I was like, do I call my midwife? Do I not? I don't know what to do. And I think she said, look, like give her a call, give her a heads up. But, yeah, like they're not that frequent yet. Um, and she said, how about I go and take Rose out? Like we'll go to the park and, you know, we'll have a little bit of a, of a play together. And so she left and took Rose away. And then I think we made the decision to call Nick at some point. Um, 
And I remember speaking to Nicola on the phone and she said, oh, you know, do you want me to come? And I was like, no, like they're still, you know, they're still not close enough together yet. And at one point I had to put the phone down because a contraction came over me and I really had to sort of start breathing my way through it. And so she was left there on the phone and she said, Marty, like where are you? And so Phil picked the phone up and he said, oh, sorry, Nick, Marty's just having a contraction. And Nicola was like, what? And she can't hold a conversation with me over the phone while she's having it. And he was like, oh, no, like she's really needing to breathe her way through them. And so that, I suppose, was her sort of indication of, okay, <laughs> let's not do this again. I'm coming now. <laughs> so <laughs> she was um, – she was on the other side of the city and it was, yeah, it was heading into peak hour traffic and so she just thought there's no way, like, you know, I've got a mum, second baby, like she's having to breathe through the contractions. I'm not waiting any longer. I'm going to make my way over. Um, and so, yeah, she did. It's a little bit of a blur, like, to be honest. I remember, like, at some point Alice returned with Rose and took Rose into her bedroom and they were playing together. Um, and all I, all I can remember is, so Rose had one of those, you know, those like massive cars that kids can like actually ride on. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we had one of them and it played like this awful music when you pushed, um, the, um, the beep, beep button on the steering wheel. And so they must have been playing with the car because all I remember hearing in the background was this like ding 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 ding. <laughs> well, I've got my like you know relaxation music going on in our room. <laughs> um. So yeah, Alice kept Rose like pretty distracted from it all, and then at one point, um, Nick arrived. And she came and said hello and, you know, just checked me over and did my um, did my obs and had a listen into the baby. And, again, I was like I was pretty bruising. Like they weren't – they were definitely intense but they weren't that regular. And then it was like a switch was flicked. So all of a sudden, like I started working really hard. They started coming a lot more frequently. And Nick could tell, like, so she sort of kept, like, poking her head into the bedroom and then coming out and speaking to Phil, coming back in and, you know, checking in on me. And so her and Phil were tag teaming a bit. And, um, yeah, she said to Phil, I really think you guys need to start thinking about feeling that pull up, like Marty's starting to work a bit harder. Um, and then I think I called her back in at one point and said, oh, my God, I need to do a poo. I need to do a poo or there's a baby there. And um, and she was like, okay, like, let's just take a breath. Like, why don't we walk over to the toilet and, you know, you can have a sit in the toilet and, like, we'll just see what happens. And so I sat on the toilet and the ooh started. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, she was like, okay, this baby's coming how's that pool going guys and Phil was like oh not very well like it's not even slightly filled up and on top of that 
we ran out of hot water. So the pool was like only maybe 30 centimetres filled with cold water in it. And Nicola said, can Marty get in it? And Phil was like, no, no, she can't. And, um, yeah, they could hear me grunting like on the toilet. So they they both came in um, somewhere in there like Phil had set Rose up with some dinner and so she was sitting in her high chair eating her spaghetti that Alice was feeding her. And so all of a sudden it went from me being on the toilet pushing to having Nicola in our bathroom Phil in the bathroom, they both helped me up off the toilet and I sort of like went on to all fours. Then Alice ran in with Rose on her hip. Alice was standing in our bath with Rose Rose on her hip taking photos of it all at the same time. And somewhere in there the second midwife also came in into the house. I think she just let herself in. And, um, yeah, Eve was actually born in her sack. So, um, yeah, I was on the bathroom floor on all fours. And, I, again, I remember, like, her head coming out and she was, like, moving her head around. And I thought that it was Nicola, like, maybe in, like, doing something in my vagina with her fingers. And I said to her, Nicola, like, is that you? Are you touching me? Because, like, if you are, stop. And she said, no, Marty, that's just your baby moving. And, um. As Eve was born, like she sort of, I, I think she like pierced the bag of waters with her elbow as she sort of came through. And so, yeah, she was born into Nicola's arms and then she passed her through my legs onto my chest. And yeah, we were all like having a big cry and Rose was crying and um, we sort of had to explain to her, oh, you know, mum and dad aren't crying because we're sad. Like we're crying because we're so happy. And, uh, and yeah, and then everyone sort of helped me onto our couch in our living room and we had our first breastfeed and, um, you know, it was sort of like, so I think she was born at about six o'clock at night and yeah, sort of heading into Rosie's bedtime. And I remember um, we had this thought of, oh, well, she hasn't had a bath yet, but this pool's blown up with water in it. So like Rose can have her bath in the pool. Um, <laughs> So as I'm sitting there breastfeeding, you know, my newborn, my toddler's in the living room, splashing water all over the place in the birth pool. Um, and, yeah, Eve, um, yeah, Eve actually latched and, and had a great first feed. And, you know, again, I had a physiological third stage with her. So, um, again, it took, it took a while, like it took around an hour. Um, and I think I had to like hop off the couch and sort of like squat down um, to be able to birth it. So yeah, again, it was just such a such a positive experience. Um, yeah, that, mm, that amazing. Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. And um, how was breastfeeding this time around? So much better. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was, it was love. It was really great actually. Like I, I really missed out on just like being able to bathe in that baby and enjoy that skin to skin contact with Rose because feeding was so stressful that with Eve, I just, I think I probably spent about a week almost like not leaving my bedroom and we just like 
stayed in skin to skin all the time and, you know, she just fed on demand. And, like, again, there was a little bit of, like, nipple trauma there and I got onto the laser very quickly this time but it was just such a different experience. And, yeah, I remember um, so she was born on the 2nd of February and it was Valentine's Day, so what, we were 12 days postpartum and um, we decided to celebrate and like we went and got some burgers um and just headed down to the beach and you know had them there with um with phil and rose and eve was in the ring sling and i was standing up feeding her and eating a burger at the same time and i remember all of a sudden just bursting into a flood of tears and phil was like oh my gosh like are you okay like is there anything wrong and i said oh i'm just i'm just so happy like this is just so different and you know like yeah i stood there sort of going oh my god like i'm 12 days postpartum and here i am out with you know my family having a meal to eat and i'm enjoying you know my baby and i'm i'm feeding like i'm feeding okay like i'm feeding with this baby in a ring sling out in public like it's just so different this time Mm. so beautiful yeah Yeah. and um we're gonna have to jump straight into your third and final birth and um uh yeah you mentioned that this was kind of a different experience and you felt more kind of intuitive and empowered um in this birth so yeah do you want to just dive straight in and take us through that pregnancy and birth and how it went yeah, yeah. So definitely, I um, I pregnancy again was like pretty straightforward. I had a urinary tract infection. Um, I don't know. I would have been somewhere in in my twenty weeks that sort of threw me off guard, and um, I ended up treating it homeopathically eventually, which yeah, it worked really well. So that was sort of the only hiccup that I had. Um, and what can I say? So the lead up, um, again, I think it's just the way that I birth. I sort of have like weeks of this on and off, on and off, on and off period. And then once it's on, like it's really on. Um, so those period type pains sort of started for me this time around at about 36, 37 weeks. Um, And, again, just this on-off, on-off sort of stuff, like, you know, there one night, then not. Um, We must have had our 38-week appointment. And this time I had a different midwife. So I had um, Lisa from Yarra Valley um, midwives. So she, she actually lives quite a distance away from me. Um, and I had a really close girlfriend of mine, Erin, um, who was my secondary. So she lived, I don't know, about half an hour drive away. And I remember being at that 38-week appointment and I said to Lisa, oh, look, like I have been, you know, having these tightening, these period-type pains on and off for the last, like, two or so weeks. And she sort of looked at Phil and went, you know, that that means that her body's like, you know, doing all the prep work now. Um, Like when it's on, it's going to be on. And so like you need to ring me. And Phil was like, yeah, yeah, no worries. And so, yeah, that sort of continued. We had one false start 
um, where I, like one night they just got a little bit more intense and I said to Phil, oh, you know, I think, like I think something might be happening. And he went and put the girls to bed and then came out and again, like they weren't, they weren't going away. Like they were sort of coming every 15 or 20 minutes for a few hours and yeah, he came out of the room and I said, oh, you know, it hasn't stopped. Like I'm still sort of contracting and he looked at, he took one look at me and said, I've seen you do this before and you're not working hard enough. Like this isn't it. <laughs> um, so that was a bit deflating. Um, and then I hit 39 plus five and, again, it had been like a pretty normal day. I went to put the girls to bed and while I was putting them to bed, I received a message from my chiropractor and she she wrote something along the lines of, oh, you know, I'm sending you strength tonight. And I thought, oh, that's like, that's a bit odd. You know, why would she? Like she's a, she's quite an intuitive person and I don't know, it just kind of made me go, oh, does she know something that I don't? Um, and so anyway, like I put the girls down, we came out into our living room and we sat down to watch a movie. So we'd watched the night before we started um, a movie called Into the Wild and we finished it that night. It's quite a long film and, and it's really heavy, like and the ending was really heavy and we both <laughs> sort of finished the movie and went, oh, God, we can't go to bed on that. Like that's really quite full on. And so we thought let's, you know, let's lighten the mood before jumping into bed. Let's pop some friends on. And so we did that and as friends was on, I felt like, yeah, a contraction come over me and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Like, again, I felt this before. And then maybe another one a bit later and I said to Phil, oh, I think I think something's happening. Oh, and I'll, I'll take it back a step. Like while before we sat down to watch the movie because of I think Joe's message, I had this like overwhelming feeling of we need to blow this birth pool up tonight. Like it needs to be ready. And Phil, Phil had been putting it off for days but I was pretty adamant. I was like, nah, you need to blow it up tonight. It needs to be up. And so he did. And then, yeah, as we were watching Friends, I said to him, oh, I think I think things are starting. And he sort of looked at me and went, well, like, you really need to go to bed then if you think that, you know, it's going to kick off. And so I went and jumped in the shower and I was probably in there for like a good 15 or 20 minutes and nothing, like I had no contraction. So, again, I thought, oh, that's a bit odd, um, you know, is it all fizzled out and I got ready for bed, popped my jammies on, went and said goodnight to him and I laid down and then it all started back up again. So they were quite um, intense from get-go. Like I had a lot of back pressure this time around, which is something that I didn't experience with the girls. And I just couldn't get comfortable. Like I was laying um, in our bed and I thought, I can't stay like this. Like it's just too uncomfortable. I grabbed my TENS machine out and went and found Phil and he was in the bathroom getting ready for bed. And as soon as he saw me holding the TENS machine, I think he thought, oh, she's serious. Like, <laughs> I think we're on. Um, and so we called we called Lisa just to give her a heads up and say, look, something's happening. And so she was like, okay, like, you know, how often are they coming? And Oh, we said maybe like every 15 or 20 minutes and she asked whether we wanted her there and we said no and so she said, no worries, well, you know what to do, go to bed, you know, make sure you get some sleep, um, 
call me if you need me. Like I'll be, I'll keep my phone on. And so I jumped into bed, but I just couldn't get comfortable. Like the back pressure was way too full on. And so I ended up putting a football um, at the back, like the base of our bed and sort of like straddling it and just draping myself over the bed. Um, and then when Phil jumped into bed, he sort of flipped himself over where his head was next to mine. He was just laying next to me holding my hand Um and that sort of continued for a few hours. So, like, I would get these contractions come over me maybe every 15, 20 minutes. Um, and so I'd work my way through one and he'd sort of wake up and come through and talk to me and say, you know, like, you're doing really well, just keep breathing through. And then as soon as it passed, like, we would both go back to sleep. So we dozed. And then... um I think it was at about four o'clock in the morning, like the back pressure just got so full on. I was really uncomfortable and I just couldn't stay in that position any longer. And I said to him, I'm really hungry. <laughs> and he was like, okay, no worries. Well, like I'll, I'll make you something to eat. And um, I was like, can I have some peanut butter toast? So he went <laughs> and made me some peanut butter toast and I scoffed that down and I had this thought of, hang on a minute, women that are in like really good active labour don't get hungry. <laughs> um, so I can't be in active labour, yet I've been at this for four hours now. And so I, I got a bit disheartened because I thought, you know, like this is just, it's not climbing, like it's not getting any sort of steeper, like I'm I'm not progressing and um Anyway, I decided to go and sit on the toilet because the back pressure was just way too full on. And as I did that, my waters broke. So there was a huge gush that came out and Phil happened to walk past the bathroom at the time and he heard it and he sort of did a back take, like looked at me and went, oh, was that your waters? And I went, yep. And he was like, oh, God, I'm calling Lisa. So he got onto the phone and, you know, like said, oh, yep, Marty's waters have just broke. And then um, he put me on and she said to me, like, do you want me to come? And I sort of thought about it and went, like, do I, don't I? And I said to her, no, look, I think I'm okay. Like the intensity has actually really decreased, like, I think the bag of waters is obviously putting so much pressure on the cervix. That's why I was experiencing so much intensity. But now the contractions have gone back to being really mild again, um, but they're more frequent. So, like, they, they quickly jumped to being, like, three to four in ten. But, yeah, the intensity just really dulled down again. And so I said to her, no, like, I'm fine. Um, and so it was then that I sort of made the decision to go into the living room and I had like my birth playlist on. I lit like um, a candle from my blessing way and like I had all my birth affirmations around me. So I just sort of like, I don't know, sat in that space for a bit and then I had this huge contraction come over me and I said to Phil, oh, you really need to feel that birth pull up now. So he raced to the laundry to turn the taps on and then I had another one come over me where I just felt this baby go and like shift through my body and into my pelvis and through my pelvis. And, yeah, it was like in that moment where I thought no one's going to make this birth. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing this by myself. This baby's coming now. (laughs) And, um, 
And again, I like I called Bill back and I said, you need to ring Lisa, like this baby's coming. And so he did, but we couldn't get on to her because she'd made the decision to quickly jump into the shower and get herself organised because, um, you know, I told her I was fine and that I didn't need her there. And so I switched from there's no way, like I just knew there's no way Lisa is making this. And so I said to Phil, you need to call Erin. Like Erin needs to come right now. And so Phil called her and let her know. And I think Lisa had already let her know, and but Phil just made it a little bit more pressing that, you really need to come because this baby's coming. Um, and then, like, I must have had uh, – that's right, I looked at my phone and saw it's, like, almost 5 a.m. now and the girls are going to be awake soon. So our two girls were asleep in their bedroom through the whole thing. And um, and I said to Phil, you need to call mum, like, because she, regardless whether this baby arrives or not, she needs to be here to support them, whether, you know, that's to support them for the birth or to be here when they wake up because we're not going to be able to, you know, be present with them. So Phil called mum and, again, it was sort of whilst he was on the phone to mum that another huge contraction came over me and I felt that baby descend even further and it sort of like almost brought me onto all fours um, on the floor and I called him back and I was like, you need to come. And so Phil came and, again, I said to him, where's Erin? Like someone needs to be here. Where's Erin? And so he called Erin again and she said that she was about 18 minutes away. And, um, yeah, they had discussed together over the phone whether it would be worthwhile calling an ambulance because Erin didn't think that she would make it. And so that's sort of what got decided. And in the background, like I just I couldn't vocalise it, but when I heard them say or oh, they were ringing the ambulance, like all I thought was, no, I don't want that because I had actually been present at um, – one of my friend's births, so my friend Alice, um, she had called me because her baby came quite quickly and I remember when I was at her birth, I was actually on the phone to the ambulance operator and they wouldn't let me hang the phone up um, because when you ring them, they expect you to stay on the phone until the ambulance officers actually arrive and I remember at the time, like, all I could think of was, I just want to be supporting my friend here. Like, I don't want to be holding this phone talking to you. And I remember saying to them, like, can I hang up the phone? And they were like, no, we really need you to stay on. Like, we need to know what's happening. And so I suppose hearing Phil ringing the ambulance, I was like, no, I don't want him to do that because I need him. Like, I don't want him on the phone. I need him next to me. And he was actually phenomenal because he he called them and, you know, told them what was happening. But he said to the lady over the phone, he said, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to hang the phone up. And, um, and she was like, no, you can't do that. I can't let you do that. And he said, I know, I know you're just trying to do your job, but I really need to be there to support my wife right now. And my midwife's actually ringing me on the phone. I need to hang the phone up. And so he did um 
And, yeah, then he picked up, like, a phone call from Lisa and she was in the car already, like, sort of speeding her way down and she said, you know, what's happening? And, and he said, oh, Marty, um, yeah, Marty's pushing, the baby's coming. And she said, like, I could hear her on mouse speaker, she said, you need to get into the pool. Like, you, you just need to get into the pool. And I went, no, I can't. And, I, again, like, sort of like a crisis of confidence that came over me there. It wasn't that... I thought I can't do this, but I just had this like cloud of fear come over me um, going, I can't get into that birth pool without my midwives present. Like if something goes wrong, like I don't know whether I'm going to be able to get myself out of the pool. I just can't do it. And both of them were like, Marty, you need to get into that pool. Like I just remember Lisa saying, it's going to slow everything down. You just need to get in. And then Phil got in like really nice and close to me and he said, Marty, like think back to your previous birth. Like you were so much more comfortable in the water with Rose. Like you know that that's what you want. You want to catch this baby. You need to get into the pool. And so I sort of went like, okay. And he like helped me up off all fours over the edge of the pool. And, um, and yeah, I got onto hands and knees and, again, I was just grunting away and, and bearing down and pushing this baby out. And at one point the ambulance arrived and, again, Phil was just awesome because he, like, he had his head locked with me. He didn't even, like, really look at them. He went and opened the door and then came straight back to me and just gave them, like, a bit of a handover of, you know, everything's okay. Like, we've got this is our third home birth. She's a low-risk pregnancy. Everything's been really well up until this point. Like it's been a really easy labour. Um, our midwives are on the way. Like you're just here because no one is basically. And I think they sort of sense the vibe of like, okay, they've got this. Um, and so they just really took a sort of step back approach and hung around in the background. And at one point Lisa said, oh, has anyone got a mirror? Can you put it between Marty's legs and tell me what's happening? And so Phil stuck a mirror under there and the ambulance officer offered up a torch. <laughs> and so Phil like could sort of shine it down and he said to Lisa, okay, yeah, I can see, I can see your head, like the, the head's there and Lisa's like, great, like what can you see? And Phil was like, oh, I don't really know. Marty's got a hand over it, but, oh, yep, uh, yeah, it's coming. Like it's maybe up to the eyebrow. And Lisa, um, oh, no, I think he said I can see the eyes. And Lisa was like, okay, Marty, like can you give a little bit more of a push just to get the head out? And then Phil said, oh, no, hang on a minute. Like it's just the brows. And she was like, okay, let's just pause there. Just wait for that next one. And so then... I think Erin walked in at one point and, yeah, she could see that, like, the baby's head was half out. Um, and I think I remember her just being like, just breathe, Marty, it's okay. And then Lenny's head was born completely with that next contraction and I remember vocalising that and, you know, sort of saying to everyone and myself, the head's out. And almost felt like I had a bit of a cheer in the background of everyone going, yay. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, his body came with the next question. It's just, it's, it's just awesome. Like, so I got to catch him, which is something that I really wanted to do with my first two. But I just, in the moment of birth, I couldn't bring myself to. Like, I don't know. 
I just couldn't be fully present and in the moment and like in my body um, with those first two births. Whereas, yeah, this time around, like I was just so present and so in tune with what was going on and it was awesome. Like, you know, I caught him and brought him up onto my chest and like no one touched him but me and yeah, it was just amazing. And, you know, it was midst COVID time. So I remember bringing him up onto my chest and like looking up. And the first thing I saw was this ambulance officer looking at me <laughs> with his like COVID mask on. I could just see these eyes that I could tell were smiling. But all I could see was these, you know, like happy eyes looking at me. And he was like, Congratulations. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thanks. Um, and then, yeah, Erin came over and gave me a big cuddle and um, and she's like, what did you guys get? And so, yeah, we peeled, you know, back um, his legs and I was like, oh, my God, it's a boy. You've got a son, and which was just so unexpected. We were convinced we were having another girl. So, yeah, it was amazing, absolutely amazing. Mm, so gorgeous. And um, and when did Lisa finally arrive? Um, yeah, it's, uh, probably like I would say maybe 15, 20 minutes after Lenny was born. So like, yeah, the ambulance officers stayed until she got there and they all sort of gave each other a bit of a handover and then they left. And then my mum arrived not long after that and, yeah, the girls weren't awake yet and, Mum came over and said, you know, hello and gave me a big congratulations. And um, then I started to feel those, you know, third stage contractions come over me. And so I sort of just like shooed her away because I was like, oh, I just need to be left to my own space. Like I'm, the placenta's not out yet. And mum was like, okay, what do you want me to do? And I was like, can you just make sure that the girls are okay? And so, yeah, she, um, she went and just sort of like hovered around their bedroom until they woke up. And then once they were awake, she brought them into the living room. And it was just, it was so sweet. Like they just sort of like tiptoed in in their pajamas. And I was still in the birth pool at the time with Phil, like, you know, around my head and like they came in and they were like oh my god there's a baby we've got a what and we said you've got a brother and like he was a bit unsure so that's my middle um but Rose my eldest was like she was just besotted she came over and had a look at him and like touched him and gave us kisses and it was just really sweet so gorgeous and um and how was how was breastfeeding this time around with him? Yeah, even easier that third time around. So like pretty pretty straightforward. Like you know, again, I had a, a few grazes, but it was um, yeah, really just pretty pretty easy. I like I did say at one point um, that he wasn't giving like that lovely like gape that you know newborn babies do like when they're searching around for the breast they give that beautiful wide open mouth where they're when they're looking to latch on so he wasn't doing that and um we had our chiropractor come and adjust him like twice and it seems to resolve it and so from then on it was really smooth sailing once he started opening his mouth up a little bit wider Mm, yeah yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I guess like, you know, like anything, it's something 
it's a learned skill and it's very natural. And I think sometimes people expect kind of go into it expecting it to just be completely natural and that they'll just instinctively kind of get the hang of it really quickly. But yeah, it's definitely something that you have to learn. So, and yeah, it sounds like things got easier for you each time along, which is great. Definitely. And um, and you've got a business yourself doing, um, you mentioned that you're a calm birth instructor and, and do some um, breastfeeding support. Do you want to share a little bit about how you came to start that? Yeah, so um, calm birth was really, I had my first sort of encounter with calm birth as a student midwife um, where I, you know, I witnessed quite a few couples come through that I looked after in birth that had done calm birth. And um, I don't know, like I just, I sort of noticed a difference. Like I thought that these couples, like they came in really prepared, like they labored really well, they were really calm, like had some really great tools on board. And like generally speaking, they had really good experiences. And so, yeah, I sort of thought, oh, I really want to know a little bit more about what calm birth is. And I was um, very fortunate that I worked with a midwife that happened to teach calm birth. And so I, you know, I spoke to her, I said, look, I really want to learn a little bit more about it. Can you, am, am I able to like, you know, watch your course? And she was like, yeah, of course. So I went along to her weekend and yeah, I don't know. I had lots of light bulb moments going off during, during the sessions. Like it's just sort of like, put the pieces of the puzzle together for me there was things that I got out of it that I hadn't you know come across in my training and um then when I was I was pregnant with Rose about a year later and I said to Phil oh like I really want to go and do calm birth to prepare for this birth and he thought I was a little bit crazy um because he sort of thought well you're a midwife like why do you need to do childbirth ed you know uh, like you know what you're doing and I was like adamant nah we're doing this like a hundred percent we're doing this and we both just got so much out of it like he um you know I suppose he walked out of there knowing exactly how to support me and you know I walked out of there with a tool set right on on like how, some coping me- mechanisms of how I was going to work through this birth and you know, I really think it played out. Like I said, it was such an intimate experience for us and it was such a beautiful experience and I really attribute that to having done calm birth. And so after Rose was born, it was sort of on reflection that I went, oh, I really want to teach this. Like I really want to get this out there. Like why Why is everyone not doing this? Like this is something that should be taught as part of like childbirth education in the hospital system, like, you know, we teach women what to expect in birth, in the system, I mean, and but we don't actually, like, give them the tools and the coping mechanisms to be able to work through labour. And so, yeah, I applied to do my um, training the following year. Um, and, it's yeah, it's been amazing. Like, it's it's so rewarding. Like, when you get those, you know, emails pop into your inbox of, couples that you've taken through the program that then get in contact and say you know we've had such a positive experience like that's what it's all about Mm, yeah definitely and I mean it's amazing that that's not taught to birthing women in hospital when they're preparing to birth but it's also kind of even more shocking that those aren't the type of skills that are taught to midwives either yes yeah I like I just had a lot of when we you know when we 
kind of focuses so much on the mind-body connection. So like how your beliefs and perceptions around birth, how you enter that birth in terms of your headspace actually then plays out on how your body functions in labour and birth. So how your physiology plays out and like we sort of cover that in our training but not to great lengths and that's what really like was an eye-opener for me in terms of, you know, yeah, like if women are in that relaxation response, of course they're going to labour well. Like of course that perfect cocktail of hormones is going to flow and like, you know, labour just progresses as it needs to, right? Mm, Definitely. Well, um, yeah, I'll definitely pop a link to your um, website as well in the show notes and on the website so that you can, um, yeah, if people are interested in what you offer after listening to this, they can get in touch. And you're practising out of Melbourne. I am, yes, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. It was really, yeah, beautiful to hear and lovely to chat to you and um, hmm, fantastic. I'm sure so many people are going to love listening. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks for having me. And yeah, it's like, it's been, you know, really lovely. Like, it's awesome to see you having set up, you know, this platform to get that message out there about home birth and, you know, to get women on here sharing their um, their different stories because there's definitely a need for it. Like, we need to, you know, we need to spread that message far and wide as to, you know, the real positive, um, positive about positive births and you know about positive home births so thank you thank you for listening into today's episode with martina you can find her on instagram at hey baby calm birth classes if you'd like to follow her or find out more about her calm birth courses or the lactation support which she's going to be offering from next year Jump into the show notes to find links to Patreon and the episode webpage where you can find some gorgeous photos from Martina's births. And I look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Mm -hmm.